Hello and welcome to the Philadelphia Society for People and Strategies Winter 2023 podcast series. This podcast is part of our growing digital library where we address critical workforce issues facing business today. This particular series is accompanied by a February 9th in-person event, as well as subsequent small group virtual discussions. Visit our website at www.peopleandstrategy.org to register or learn more. Our conversation today focuses on the critical priority of productivity, well-being, and burnout. Let me introduce Jeff Doucette, the Senior Vice President and Chief Nursing Officer at Press Ganey. Press Ganey is the world's leading human experience platform for healthcare, bringing deep expertise along with groundbreaking technology. Jeff is responsible for helping clients transform the patient and caregiver experience. Leading off the conversation, we have Pam Tufel, Senior Vice President of Human Resources at Mainline Health. Mainline Health is not-for-profit health system serving portions of Philadelphia and its western suburbs. It includes four acute care hospitals, Lankanaw Medical Center, Bryn Mawr Hospital, Paoli Hospital, and Riddle Hospital. Welcome to both of you. I will now turn the conversation over to Pam. Thank you, Mary. Burnout seems to be an increased area of focus for many CEOs and HR leaders like myself. Jeff, to help frame for the audience, talk about the work that you're doing at Prescani in healthcare and other industries around this type of work. Sure. Thanks, Pam, and thanks, Mary, and thank you all for joining and having me uh, with you today. So at Prescani, we are the global leader in healthcare engagement, and we invented patient experience 35 years ago when doctors Prescani uh, developed a tool to measure the engagement that patients have with their healthcare uh, experiences, and and we are able now to tie that to outcomes over our 35, uh, almost 40-year history as an organization. And of course, as every organization does, we have evolved into um, a measurement company that really is very focused now on employee well-being, employee engagement, and we work with um, a large number of healthcare organizations throughout the world to measure uh, employee engagement. In addition, our Prescani um, team is really focused on healthcare, and our our uh, parent company is called PG Forsta. And uh, Forsta arm of our company is our commercial organization, and they work with large clients like McKinsey, uh, Danone, the global food company, um, and King County, Washington, to measure engagement in non-healthcare organizations. So we have um, large, large databases that look at employees across all sectors. Um, particularly in healthcare, but obviously in other industries as well. And we are able to uh, really have a finger on the pulse of what's going on globally with uh, workforce. So let's go a little deeper into the topic. Jeff, describe the framework that you use at Prescani to measure resiliency. So resiliency, as, as you all know, is a really important aspect of overall employee engagement. And we like to think about resiliency as a key driver in overall employee engagement. So as resiliency increases, overall engagement increases as well. And certainly with the challenges of the last several years uh, and managing employee workforces through the pandemic, 
particularly in healthcare, we have seen a year-over-year -year erosion in overall resilience numbers um, across the board from 2019 to today. Now, the good news is for nursing, which is the largest part of the U.S. healthcare workforce, there is a silver lining in it that in the last six months, we have seen in top performing hospitals that organizations' nursing resilience scores are starting to improve. So we're looking at that as a very positive sign. The way we measure resilience is by measuring the two components that make up resilience, and that is activation and decompression. So activation is really the why, why we chose the professions we're in, why we go to work at the organization that we do. It's our commitment to the mission, vision, and values of the organizations that we work in and our own personal mission, vision, and values. In addition, there, there are drivers within activation of questions that we ask, like that people enjoy the work that they're doing and that the work they do makes a difference because these are the top drivers of overall engagement that we like the work we're doing and we feel like our work makes a difference. So that's the activation side of resilience. The flip side of resilience uh, uh, submeasure scale is decompression. So we measure decompression by asking questions uh, like, can I disconnect from work communications when I'm not at work? I rarely lose sleep over work issues. I can enjoy my time away from work without focusing on work and questions similar to that. So what we're seeing is that decompression, particularly in the healthcare sector, has been incredibly problematic during the pandemic and current workforce challenges. And while this is a really big challenge in healthcare, we are seeing that all industries that we are measuring, um, both inside and outside of healthcare, are um, really suffering with this ability to have employees disconnect from work. So with remote work in particular, you know, um, there are not a lot of great boundaries for some employees and they feel the need to be constantly connected. So you can see how measuring both activation and decompression together is gives you a full picture of what the resilience of uh, employees across industries uh, is looking like right now. So I do love the way Prescani measures resiliency and at Mainline Health, we are a customer um, and I think it's been really helpful for us. What we see, as you mentioned, is during the pandemic, you know, and a shortage of staff, work is being overloaded onto too few people. So staff can't leave work um, at work when they go home at night. Um, and what we find with our leaders is rather than just trying to recruit a new person, um, we're trying to encourage leaders to think about, you know, can you automate that work and actually try to eliminate it because the concern is, are we actually going to be able to replace that person? So are there companies that you've worked with at Prescani that are automating and reimagining new ways of working to reduce burnout? Yeah, I think this is a great uh, topic as well in, in that, you know, particularly in healthcare, we are overloaded with what we call friction points or um, kind of um, seemingly meaningless tasks and activities and things that happen because that's the way we've always done it or that the process has always been set up to, to work this way. And we don't think about the burden that that places on our workforce um, to do work that is not value added. And so we've been working with Health First, a large integrated health system in uh, the northeast corner of Florida. And working with uh, Cheyenne Fisher, their chief nursing officer, um, 
they have developed a process where they are constantly looking at the work that each category of their workforce is doing. So they look at nursing and physicians and housekeeping and dietary and all the different parts and pieces that make up a health system. And they're bucketing workflows into three categories, automating, delegating, and eliminating. And so they take every aspect of a process or um, a patient-facing is where they started. So patient-facing uh, processes, and, and they're looking at what aspects of the work can they stop doing, start doing, um, or automate. And so, so those are the kinds of activities that we're seeing the top-performing organizations really embracing to redesign the work. It, it really, that aspect is really applicable across any industry, and particularly in healthcare, we know that the current model of care that exists, particularly in the inpatient setting in hospitals, is not sustainable. Um, you know, the workforce is changing, the available support staff um, are dwindling. Um, you know, when the competing organization, you know, you can work a 12-hour shift on your feet, in a high-risk environment um, for $15 an hour, or you can go work at a warehouse down the street for $25 an hour. I mean, it's you know a really tough competitive market for the staff that supports the professionally trained caregivers like physicians and nurses, uh, technicians and um, therapists. So um, this approach of really rethinking the work and redesigning the work is a critically important aspect of building resilience and overall employee engagement. Yeah, I love to hear that other health systems are doing it well. Uh, that's certainly the work that we're embarking on uh, at Mainline Health. And I think the first piece of resiliency that you mentioned, that activation, you know, we do, I think, compared to other industries, have a leg up on people do uh, relate to our mission. You know, they feel good about the work that they're doing. Um, but have you seen when it comes to that increased levels of resiliency, does it directly correlate back to increased levels of employee engagement? It, it absolutely does. So there is a direct correlation in how resilient an employee feels and their overall uh, engagement to the organization. So we measure about 30 different items that contribute to overall engagement. And the way that we look at it is both their engagement in the moment so that, you know, once or twice a year, uh, all employee employee engagement survey that we conduct, and we are able to monitor it in pulse surveys that we can conduct for small groups or focus areas for the organization over the course of the year. So as we, we look at that in real time, but we also look at what are the key drivers of three-year retention. So what makes an employee likely to still be with your organization in three years? So we, we know that first-year turnover in the healthcare industry is a, is a particularly challenging problem, that you invest a lot of money in recruiting people to your organization and training them, and then after they've been with your organization for a year, they move on to another organization. So we measure all these drivers, and really the top five drivers are things that don't cost your organization any money. And most people are very surprised to find out that staffing and pay are almost always at the bottom of that list of 30 things that drive uh, three-year retention. The things that are at the top of the list are the work of leadership. And that is really around creating a positive work culture. So it's ensuring that the work people are doing is meaningful, that people like the work they're doing, that they're, they're feeling supported by their leader. And, and interestingly, in the last couple of years, uh, a new item has risen into that top five, and that is that the organization 
uh, values diversity, equity, and inclusion. The, and the last to round out that top five is that the organization conducts business in an ethical way. So when employees have strong commitments um, in the healthcare setting to what we call the healthcare must have, so those top five drivers of long-term retention, we find that employees are far more forgiving of some of the things that um, particularly inexperienced and frontline leaders tend to focus on, which is staffing and pay. Um, so if we can get leaders out of that rabbit hole of being focused on, I need more staff, we need more money, um, and focused on the actual work of leadership, um, that's where we find the difference maker in organizations that are really driving up retention, driving up resilience, um, improving productivity, and reducing their overall turnover cost. So there is absolutely a direct correlation between resilience and overall engagement. Um, and at the end of the day, it, it really is all about the culture, and that is at every level of the organization. So what are the senior executives role modeling and how are they driving culture down to the micro level in your organization? So maybe you like healthcare organizations have a weekend, Saturday, Sunday night shift. So those are people who rarely see the Monday through Friday people or never see the Monday through Friday people. And maybe you have a shift leader who works on that shift. How is that person driving culture that aligns with the senior team on the micro level? And when we see that all of those things are working together, that's where we see significant improvements in overall engagement. So Jeff, as a last question, what strategies would you say are essential to achieving those high levels of engagement? Um, we absolutely, absolutely know that one of the most important strategies is that there is a shared cultural vision uh, for every organization. And it starts, um, I've always thought about this as a bottom-up approach. So I think about the organizational structures that I lead with as an upside-down pyramid with our frontline client patient-facing employees at the very top of that upside-down pyramid and me, the senior leader, the least important at the bottom point. And when you have a culture that is driven by both the top and the front line, that is the sweet spot for developing a high-performing culture. And everybody has to be on the same page about what the brand of that culture is. Uh, so we find that to be one of the most influential aspects of creating this positive, high retention, high engagement culture across all the organizations that we work with. Well, Jeff, I think that's a great place to wrap it up. Um, it sounds like in order to improve well-being, productivity, and reduce overall burnout, that organizations have to continue to focus on having those high levels of engagement. You know, keeping that focus on leadership development so that your leaders can create that positive work culture. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff and Pam. And thank you to our listeners. Don't forget to register for our February 9th event entitled 2023 Critical People Priorities. Visit www.peopleandstrategy.org to register or learn more. At the event, Pam will join a panel of other workforce strategists as we expand the conversation with you.